The drops have been good. Yes. <laughs> that they have. The Jason Ed life. <laughs> this is your life now? <laughs> I just looked at Tom and I said, this is your life. Okay. Okay. This is your life now. <laughs> so like well encapsulated, you know. <laughs> Night has fallen over Austin, Texas, enshrouding the hill country in what should be cool shadows. They're not cool shadows, they're hot shadows. Maybe around 7 a.m. they'll cool off to 80 degrees or so, and then it'll get hot, hot, hot once again. Stay tuned for advice on keeping hydrated here on W-O-M-H. Now, we won't give you any advice on keeping hydrated because everybody knows that you should try to, try to stay out of the heat and uh, drink a lot of water and that's, that's all you can do in summertime in August. And uh, wait patiently for October. It's coming very soon. August just seems to be flying by. Uh, but we can, talk. we can talk more about what everybody's up to in just a minute. Once we uh, once we say hello to the pride of tar the greater Tarzana Topanga area, the um, Montserrat Mistaker, and the Martinique Mozambiquer, Matthew Rampy. Bye bye, kiss and shafy goodbye. Drove my podcast to the Webby, but the Webby was dry. And good old boys are drinking tequila and rye, singing this will be the day the cast dies. This will be the day the cast dies. Is that song about Buddy Holly? Yeah. About that incident? And Big Bopper? Yeah. And famously not Waylon Jennings? Waylon drew the, drew you the gotta ride straw. in the car. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, lucky Buddy. Buddy was always lucky, you know. <laughs> I think it's a. I think it's crazy that there's that 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 happened. That to the uninitiated, the Big Bopper and Buddy Holly and some a couple other people, Richie Valens, yeah, and then their 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 producer and then the pilot. Is that it? I guess. Or was yeah. it just like four? They died in a plane that. crash, a snowy night, somewhere in the Midwest. Who Iowa cares? Uh, Iowa. Huh, we know a guy from Iowa. Um, we do. Yeah, the, the day the music died. Like, they were just a bunch of white guys who were, like, stealing black music real good, right? <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, the, Richie Valens excluded. The music uh, the music survived. It turns out the music it. survived. But, but, man, only the good die young, huh? Whew. Sometimes, don't you, want, don't you wish you were just a legend, bef you know, before your time? Shafe. I, I think that those, those guys had achieved experience, so they were not... They did not die young. Oh, good, good. Especially the big bopper, right? Like he wasn't, he wasn't a young guy. Th I, this is not what we came to talk about. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I, 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 I know absolutely nothing about the big bopper. Honestly, everything that I thought about talking in in this podcast tonight, <laughs> everything that I thought about talking about, it had nothing to do with the day with the music. The, with the big bopper, yeah, 
zero to do with that. Can you name one big bopper song? No. I can't either. I can't. Even, like, there must be his big song. I can't. God, we sound... So, I listened to episode <laughs> 175. Welcome to episode 176. 176. And, yeah, and, I that. Um, One Magical Hour. One Magical Hour. Matthew and Schaefer Podcast Spectacular. I listened to 175, and I want to make some changes oh, to yeah? the podcast. Whoa. Yeah. I take. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Okay. First thing, we got to stop talking about ourselves so much. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's all we talked about. I, 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 the last episode was essentially all minutia. And as I was listening to it, I was like, oh, I see why this is not a popular podcast. Um, but uh, I feel like we're so close and we can really tighten it up. I. We got it. The poetry gives us so much credibility. We really need to focus more on the poetry. We need to both come with a poem every time. Mm. And when we read the poem to each other, I don't think it should be at the end. Maybe close to the end, but mm-hmm. I think we should have time to talk about the poem. That's a good idea. And, yeah. and really, like, get into it and break it down and yep. clown it if we need to yep. or lionize it if we want to or... I think the poetry aspect and the poem, the poets that we know, the living poets, make such a great core uh, audience and 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 fa- and interviewees and yeah. you know fam- friends and family of the cast. Mm-hmm. You know who you are. We got to talk to Summer Browning on the cast. That'd be great. And and Brendan Lorber. Brendan Lorber, yeah. Yeah. So we, Thorson. We need to bring it back to what it's this is all about, which is poems. Should get Shanna Compton on. I'd say that we've been a little loose in a in like the last hundred and seventy something episodes, you know. <laughs> and I want us just to tighten it up Tight, just a little tighten bit. Tighten up the like, ratchet. Just a little bit. Stick but that ratchet listen, under the I want to tell you something. Give like, that nut one last quarter twist. Life is changing for me. My life is changing. Um, tell me more. I've had a big week. I've had a big week. I was telling you that uh, going out to Lake LBJ and seeing a dear friend and hanging out with my son and having a little lake time. And yeah. I wasn't feeling good. I had this literal like pain in my neck. And I'm thinking what everybody here is thinking, esophageal cancer. <laughs> because I Google. The world's finally getting back at you for being such a pain in the neck. Because I Google things. And... Um, having a good time wondering about that my car starts to crater so that's like this other layer of my i may have to change my car soon you Mm. every car gets to that point where you're like yeah am i gonna spend five thousand dollars to keep this car going Mm -hmm. or am i just gonna trade it in and start again Mm -hmm. so that might happen soon so life is changing there and i don't know if you know but my dad was a car dealer and I have a lot of big feelings around cars and car repairs and dealing with dealers. And I got you big have feelings, you got big feelings about that too. I mean, just because the whole thing seems like such a scam and such a every step of it's hard, right? Yeah, and you know, you, I mean, I just like go in there. I just assume I'm getting screwed, and I'm just like, all right, buddy. Like when you do the I podcast, got, I got my checkbook. Here's the keys to my old car. Commence to screwing me, you know. And then, and then he like, you know. The car salesman will like do some things. You're like, what? Whatever, man. I don't care. I know, I know. I'm getting screwed here, so don't. Why is it that after you have everything in order, <laughs> you've done the test drive, you've done the spiel, 
you've gotten with your bank or with them and doing the financing, everything is all in order. Why does it still take 10 hours? Yeah. Why are you still at the dealership for 10 hours? They want you to go like sit in a room and think about your life for a while because then maybe they can sell you another warranty. Well, there's upselling. It's all about, they're doing a lot of upselling. I used to do it uh, selling Tex-Mex waiting tables at Trudy's. You were, we were pressured to upsell. You offer guacamole with everything. Yeah. And, um, you know, you say something like, oh, it's going to be a little extra charge. You know, you always say, you always say something that's like kind of the truth. Yeah. Um, but fuck, who, people want guacamole, you know? Yeah. Like people, people want to be upsell. People want full coverage. People want tint. People want the extras. They want the tow package. I need tints. I need the windows tinted. Do you remember that song? Oh, yeah. That's uh, Anderson Pock. Anderson Pock. I love that guy. But when that song first came out, I didn't necessarily know he was saying tints. Because, <laughs> you know, in the song, he just goes, I need tints. And if you're just listening to the to it on the radio for the first time, I was like, whoa, Anderson Pock. Because <laughs> it, it sound like? It sounds like there's not an N in there. Oh, right. I see. Okay. I, I, was, I still wasn't hearing it like that, but now I can't ever not hear it like that. So thanks. I used to be an Anderson Pock fan. I'm not. Yeah, so I'm staring down the barrel of, of car shopping, but that is a side story to what I'm trying to get to here. This episode, episode 176, is the onion episode. This, this baby's got layers. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're at your Robots car. here. Yeah. We're podcasting. We've done 176 of them. We're coming up on our third anniversary, by the way. Third anniversary? Three yeah. years ago, you said you what? called me up. No, you had been priming me up. Hey, you want to do a podcast? And I, I slough you off. I, Shafee, I don't have time for that. I'm trying to raise these kids. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing with my career at the time. I'm like, you know, I don't My career has been this like windy path. You know those, you know those movies? You way. know where Kill Bill drops off the Beatrix in front of Pi May's compound? Uh-huh. You know? And he he says, Oh, you know, Pi May's up at the top of there, and he tells her that Pi May hates, you know, Caucasians and females and Americans, and that has been felt like my career a little bit. You know, you know, because there was that time in my career, you know, when Pi May like sh- shoves the the rice off onto the floor and he's like eat it like a dog or something like that's how i've I've felt at times in my career and it's like a windy road up a chinese mountain you know those like chinese paths where you got you get to the top and you you can't see the earth you're just there's the clouds and the mountain on top i that's been my career so far but i feel like maybe i'm getting to the mountaintop you're emerging from the clouds i feel a little bit but let me let me go on. Let me peel another layer of this onion. But it turns out there's a medical reason for those clouds. Yeah. <laughs> As it turns out, it's a virus. The clouds represent virus. No. Um, so anyway, I'm feeling. I got a pain in my neck. I got. A, I still got a swollen lymph node. But it's it's then it's last week. It's Saturday, and we've been out at the lake for a couple of days, and we've been having fun. I'm not feeling great, but. We are invited to the Comedy Mothership. Amy has a friend from high school, Lee Lampson-Quay. Hi, Lee. She's great. Lee's lived in L.A. for 20 years or something, and Lee worked at the Comedy Store, okay? Mm -hmm. And um, during COVID, uh, 
though you know we all did crazy things lee shacked up with this comedian mitch burroughs and they fell in love mm-hmm. and they've had a child they've they're married and they moved they left la like 18 months ago they moved to wichita falls texas which is <laughs> yeah I, you're shaking your head I don't think they really comprehended what was happening to them. I remember when I met, I had met Lee before, if but I hadn't met compre- If you fully they, comprehended what was happening to you, you would not move. You would not. Who, nobody. Who has ever, they may be the first people ever to relocate from Los Angeles, California. Remember the, on the last show, I did a whole bit about how lucky migrants are. They get bussed by our asshole governor to L.A. Like, that's a great place. I've been there. It's great. Uh, anyway, Lee and Mitch find themselves. Uh, Mitch was Mitch Burrow, a, a comedian. I know that name. Um, he was a Marine, and he knows how to fix helicopters. My grandfather called them whirly gigs. Mm. And um, so he gets a job. There's an Air Force base in Wichita Falls. This is none of this. One layer of the onion was never supposed to be Wichita Falls, but let's just go on this little side street right there. Have you ever been there? Mm-hmm. It's a really weird place. I was there for Chris Miles' wedding. There's a bunch of money there. There's a bunch of people with like oil money, old oil money there, and there's like a small group of people with a lot of money. And then there's like a really rough town around it, and then there's this Air Force base that draws that the, there's like Dutch and and. Belgian and, and Taiwanese. There's all these international people there, too. So it's, it's, sort of, it's a little bit of a weird scene. But there's a lot of people there that they think that Wichita Falls is like Los Angeles, California. Like, they think it's great. And it was funny because when I met Lee and, Lee and Mitch, or when Lee and Mitch came to visit the first time, which was like in January of 22, um, they had just moved there. And I, oh, they, like, I was feeling for them so hard, but they, it hadn't hit them yet. And then now I see that I hadn't seen them until last Saturday. And I got to talk to them a little bit about now their experiences in Wichita Falls. And they, they corroborate a lot of these ways that I've been perceiving it. And, um, anyway, uh, we were, we we're set to go. Mitch is doing a set at the comedy showcase in the little man room at, uh, at the, co- at the comedy mothership. Mm-hmm. Owned by that guy you don't nobody likes. A lot of people uh, don't, don't like don't. Joe Rogan's comedy mothership. By the way, everybody, Joe Rogan is not necessarily a right wing guy. I know that he in, entertains a lot of dangerous conspiracy theories, but I don't think he's actually a right winger. Which the world, the so world, either. but the world has painted him as a right winger. the The comedy uh, community is kind of. It's weird in today's world how it's really you got to be really careful what you what you laugh about or joke about, you know. Everything's very serious. Anyway, okay, that's not this is not what any of this is about. This is about I haven't been to a comedy club in 30 years or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long it's been since I went. I think I went to like a, a underground little stand-up thing one of those times I visited you in New York. And that mm-hmm. was probably the last time I've been and maybe the listener knows Maybe you know that I entertain thoughts of doing stand-up comedy, right? So here we are. We're invited to the comedy club, and I don't even know how I'm going to feel, you know. But we had a really magical evening. Uh, We dropped Mitch off for the early set. We went to uh, the Uptown Sports Club Mm -hmm. right by Manisha's old crib. Yeah. 
and we were with Lee and the, and the manager of the club's wife, Hallie. Um, Haley. Oof, I'm butchering it. <laughs> Haley. Uh, and uh, um, we, we went back to the club and there was this big line outside and we walked right up and Haley called her husband, Curtis, who's the manager there, who managed the comedy store there's all these people that have moved here from la to like run this place Mm -hmm. and we were like bundled in the side door to the there's like a side bar mitzi's that's like in honor of mitzi shore got a big picture of him we sit in the back of this reserve table Haley took care of our drinks i'm sitting there sipping tequila talking with them we're waiting for curtis comes over and he's like hey you want to when do y'all want to go upstairs I'm like whatever and I'll bring you up right before they start or whatever and we get like bundled out the side and up the elevator and we get sat in the back at these you know like where the comics are in the back and there's the green room right here and mm-hmm. um, we're sitting there at the table we're talking a little about I mentioned I, you know I know some of these people in this world because I listened to Joe's podcast and I they actually know these people like they know yeah. Brian Redbands. they're friends with Tony Hinchcliffe and, yeah. and this and that and I mentioned some things. Anyway, t- Tony comes to the table, and I don't recognize him because I'm, I'm really – it's really through Rogan's podcast that I'm even, like, aware of what's going on in comedy at all. Like, right. I had kind of just – it had been not in my – it was in my peripheral mostly. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, I met Tony Hinchcliffe, talked to him, and then, then we go to the show. He was one of the ones in the showcase, and – Man, it was like 10 really funny comedians and young people, and we had a great, fun night. And um, then it's then after this, the show started at 10 30, out way too late, way, way too late. Um, come home, didn't get in bed till like 2 30, mm. not feeling great, not feeling great. And then, like, um, through the week, my, my, <laughs> My node is just ratty and huge. Mm-hmm. And uh, final, finally, I went to the doctor. And uh, anyway, today I found out I have mono. Mm-hmm. I have mono, the kissing disease. Slowly backing away from you. Yeah. Well, it, it's, uh, but I, look, I looked it up here. If the internet ever tells us the truth, and we, uh, we know it all does, we all know that the internet tells nothing but truth. Here we go. Um, typically, most commonly through bodily fluids, especially saliva. However, monoviruses can be spread also through blood and semen during sexual contact, blood transfusions, and organ transplants. Okay. So I feel like if we avoid so all for, of... For tonight, those are all off the table. If we avoid all of those, I think we're going to be... No, okay. I like to say nothing's ever off the table. Right. But because of mono... So, uh, so some of those are off the table. What I want to say, I'm in a compromised state, and I didn't know I didn't know what was going to happen when I went to the comedy club, but now I can't stop thinking about comedy. That's and, exciting. And doing I might there's open mics. There's a bunch of comedy clubs. I can just go to an open mic night and Not do it. Not far from here. Yeah. Well, that one's closed. Oh, it is. Yeah. That well, they reopened in the domain uh. actually. The Cap Cap City reopened in the domain. Interesting. But there's the Creek in the Cave, and that's from New York. Yeah. And there's the Sunset Strip that Brian Redband, Tony Hinchcliffe's like podcast partner, he opened a club that's right around the corner from the Comedy Mothership. And then the Vulcan Gas Company 
is essentially all comedy now. Uh, yeah, you know, another place just opened on 7th Street right by me. Oh, yes, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, Creaking Cave. Do you remember that place? That Well, they, I, I saw it reference. Somebody was doing an open mic there or something, and I was like, boy, there was a place in Long Island City that had a name just like that. So they, that is That's associated. Yes. Okay. Yes. Interesting. Um, I didn't know that. What I think needs to happen here on this episode is um, you you got to talk me down. You, you got to talk me out of this. Oh, no, that's, but, not, that's because, not what I do. I hype you up. No, but I listen, don't talk you down. For years, I've been trying to get right the ship, you know? Yeah. Um, working on my career. Being a good dad, coaching little league, starting a business. See, this is the this is the problem with my business acumen. As I sit down and try to think about a business idea, and and I, and I want to write jokes, and go tell jokes to people in, in underground comedy clubs. That's that's not a business idea. No, but if it's but it's what you want to do. You know what I want to do. I want to stop having these big feelings about things. Oh, I want to. Okay. I want to go. I want to get invited. To I a, see. I want to get invited to a comedy club, and I want to go there and have fun, and have some perspective on it, and not have it reignite an old passion mm-hmm. that doesn't make me any money and probably takes away from my business and my parenting. And well, I, I actually, I only, I think it could be only good for the podcast. I if, was going to say, I feel like if I do do it, of course, I'm going to say the name of the podcast like five times. On stage, every I mean, time. do you want to like, do you want to squash this dream? Or what if you just, maybe the, maybe the game here is not, not destroy these feelings that you have, but but negotiate with them. Be like, I can do this, you know? I can spend 15 minutes four times a week writing jokes in a little notebook and, you know, or whatever the time is. The point is... If well, you, the thing about it is you got to write them down when you think of them. Yeah. You, that can't really be like, oh, just joke writing time. So you carry... It's got to be disciplined and, and then your notebook... Carry your notebook around, write it down... All, when the, that, when all the comics go up with their phone, they look at their joke list on their phones. When there's when there's enough jokes in there to make, you know, something something the length of a set, you know, whether it be a five minute set or whatever. I think I think shooting for three, three minutes. minutes set, yeah. Then you go to your favorite small small open mic and give it a shot. And that's all you do. Right. You know? Right. Okay. And then you and you do that, you know, maybe you do that four times a year or okay. twice a year. How many times do I do karaoke per year? Yeah. Not enough, but maybe I can switch those out. And and then if that goes well, you 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 slowly take the next step. But yeah, don't don't squash the dream, just just recognize that there's enough time in my life for this the dream to take up this much of it, you know. Okay, okay. You sound like my shrink, and, a little bit, which is good. <laughs> so, 
if you know if you just end up telling those jokes on one magical hour well we're we'll, we'll all the better for it well I, I i acquiesced to your request to start a podcast partially in my mind because i thought that it would help organize my thoughts about writing jokes and even what i would want to talk about in writing jokes and, yeah and i think it's done that like I think that there, the feedback that we've gotten over stuff, and you know, list just the practice of of riffing on things and mm -hmm. talking to you, and I, I mean, I think it's, I think it has set me up for that. So, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, if you want me to do comedy, get at us, and then when I do it, come up to Austin. Brian or whoever and you know who's gonna go, be fired up about this is this? Alex Battles. You think Alex Battles is gonna be he's fired a about huge stand-up comedy. That's guy. right. We've talked a lot about that with him. Um I don't know. I it it's it's so there really is a comedy mecca downtown now. And it's it's it I, I, I reached out and touched it the other night. And I know people and I don't even have to like I don't have to rely on Mitch to like introduce me to anybody like I can just go and sign up and I think with an open mic night you might want to bring a couple friends yeah you know and um, let me know I live close you to know there. it's not going to be any problem for me getting up on stage right yeah I guess in fact what am I afraid of you're gonna love it yeah here's what I'm afraid of you ready I feel like the best parts of the podcast are when we get really real, but uh -huh. um, I'm afraid, I guess I, I, I'm afraid I'm going to do it and that it's not going to be what I thought it was. Okay. Whatever it is, it's not going to be what I thought it was. And I've had this experience before in life where there's this thing up on a hill, you know, and maybe I get there and experience it and it's, it wasn't the thing that I thought it was. Yeah. Maybe it's, but in a, so in a way, in my diseased mind, it's better <laughs> that it's just this thing up on a hill that's or, a, way or to, a thing in my past. That's an easy, easy way to rationalize things. I would tell you nothing in this world is what you thought it was going to be. And this is, you know, somebody like, I wanted to become a poet. I wrote a bunch of poems. I published a bunch of poems. I published a couple of books. I can tell you, that's not what you think it's going to be, right? Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, I yeah. worked as a bartender. I daydreamed about having a bar someday. I oh yeah built a bar in Houston. I had I, I even though I, I like I realized then that it wasn't you know what I thought it was going to be, but then I was and. Then I was like, well, maybe we just need to do this differently. You know, we're, we're, all the, we're all the way in charge. And so did that. That also, it's not what you think it's going to be. Um, although, as we were talking before the... Oh, God, why should we even have dreams? Before the microphones. But that's the thing, though. It's the, that it's, it's all about, you know, all of the things that went into achieving that dream. And you have to be patient. Like, as we were talking about before, the front page is getting to where... I hoped it would be, you know, it's starting to be the bar that Dick and Porter and I imagined at the very beginning, you know, which I mean, and that, like I can tell you from experience to be able to do that, that's, that's the ultimate, that's like long, hyper long shot, you know, 
So, but I could see a time, you know, and not too long when that might be the case. Uh, and so that's, that's really exciting and that's rewarding, but also just, you know, all of the skills that you pick up doing those things, then when it's time to go on to the other project, then you have those skills waiting for you, you know, and that's, and also, unless you do it, you don't know, right? Yeah. And it's possible that it won't be what you thought it was. It's possible that it will be beyond your wildest dreams amazing. I you mean, know? I, I, I think maybe the healthiest thing I can do is to go into it like you were talking about. And I really think that what I crave and why I keep coming back to it is just how much I love making people laugh. Yeah. I, and I, I, you know, and, and so I, I, so I want to look at it like not as some sort of goal, like, Oh, we could promote the podcast or maybe, or maybe I get paid at some point to be a stand up or whatever. It's that, it's that adrenaline rush. It's the rush beforehand of the fear of it. It's the onstage part. If you make people laugh, it's that feeling. There's that's a no great, other that's feeling a wonderful goal. And it's a goal that you can achieve just by working hard, writing jokes. Working hard and writing jokes won't necessarily get you on Johnny Carson. It won't necessarily get you a multi-million dollar movie deal with Netflix. But if you work hard and write great jokes, you can almost surely go to a little place and find some people and make them laugh okay. on stage. That's all I want to do. Uh, you know, I you know what I really want to do is have fun with the rest of my life. Yeah, well, that's the most important thing, isn't it? I, I think so. And letting yourself do that and not letting all of the other jive-ass shit that goes on all the time anyway, you know, the little things like, you know. Like my car. Yeah, car, you know, like <laughs> having to drive lift, you know, a few hours a week, you know, to you know make up some differences here and there. Those things are always going to be there. And... That it, those have nothing to do with happiness. Having a lifelong dream of making people laugh and writing some jokes and making them laugh, that has everything to do with happiness. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna, I gotta get over some things. I gotta get over my regret for not pursuing this when I was younger. Mm. See, I know that if I had pursued this when I was younger, that I would be dead. Dead, yeah, you would flame dead, out. Dead, I would be you might hate it now. I would be in a worse position in life for sure because I've been in therapy for seven years. And before my therapy, I was part of me going to therapy is in work situations realizing that I don't take criticism well. <laughs> okay, that was one thing. But part of that is because I had all this shit that I w hadn't dealt with. Now that I've unpacked some shit, I, I may maybe have the fortitude to, to take some criticism and bomb a joke or, or whatever. And uh, so if I had gone for it, then uh, I might have been successful, in which case I would have uh, through drugs and alcohol, I would have been dead, dead, dead. OK, that would have been. But a more likely scenario is that. I maybe would have like floundered and been a road comic and, and, and man, that is a, that is a depressing, that is a tough life to just be hacking it out as a road comic and kind of having a medium level of success and yeah. maybe 20 years in you get like a little 30 minute special or something. The guy, I, so my dad knew the manager of Froggy Bottoms, <laughs> the comedy club in Lubbock. Yeah. And I 
went when I was young, I was a teenager, like 13, 14 years old. And, and I did open mic night a number of times. And there was this guy, there was this comedian. I can't remember his name. I'm going to, I'm going to ask my dad, a Scott something. And he, he did that. And like 20 years later, he did get a Netflix special, like a 30, no, like a Comedy Central, like a 30 minute Comedy Central thing. I think his name was Scott Cameron, maybe. Uh, I'll look at it. I'm going to figure that out. But then, um, and then I think he passed away. And I was just, I don't know. I don't, but anyway, but the, all, but all of that's like me thinking about it as some kind of goal oriented thing too. But, but now, being, now you know, being an older person, now you realize that there are different <coughs> there are different achievements and different ways to ways to make yourself happy, and that's you know, yeah, you're much better, and you have just you have so much more life experience to make jokes about. Like, I mean, I have got to be funnier than I was when I was 23 years old. <laughs> now, I gotta be. I'm not. I don't know. Not positive, but I'm. Look, I'm sorry. That I drug you into all this. No. Uh, and turn, I'm excited. And turn I'm, this into. I'm super excited to just be able to encourage you to do Because this, like, you I'm, know. I've already started with my, like, comedy note tab. And and I do have a bunch of life experience. And I think I'm getting a sense of how to package that presented to people. And how to present myself on stage. And... Writing posts. And I'll tell you what the, like, there's all sorts of. You know, amazing tiny little milestones that will happen along the way that you don't even think about. Like, you know, like getting your first poem published, you know, getting your first reading, you know, your first featured reading or, you know, all that stuff. All those like tiny little goals. They feel so good. And, you know, that's, you know, getting my first poem published was made me feel as good as getting my book published, you know. Just, they're just, you know, double different orders of magnitude but you know it's just as exciting and you know all, all those little things that happen along the way my first you know featured reading i read with uh oh it's stupid like wow oh, it's gone i can't believe him. i'm forgetting his where, name where was the robot when he did <laughs> he was the poetry editor for open city magazine uh, super cool. It was down in a, at the soft school frequency bookstore down there, down there in Brooklyn, Sunday, Sunday afternoon. So much fun. It was just the, one of the most amazing days of my life. Uh, somebody who showed up there was this, one of the most exciting things was someone who showed up was this local musician who I was a huge fan of. But had never really hung out with, but he I was on his email list, so I put him when it was time for me to do this reading. I put him on there, being like, maybe he'll come, maybe he won't. Sure enough, he came, and it was so exciting for me because this musician I was a huge fan of showed up at my reading. That was Milton. Oh, and now then went on to became a great friend, good friend, and uh, friend of the show, friend of the show. We should try to talk to Milton again sometime. That'd be really fun. God, I, uh, I love Milton. Back, uh, so what, next week will be, will that be our third anniversary show? I mean, let's call it next, episode 177, third anniversary show, because really you called me 
and I said, well, the kids start school on Monday and I'll have more time after that. And uh-huh. this is the equivalent Friday. They start school on Monday. Cool. Um, God, I can't believe we wasted all these people's time for all these years, but it's exciting. Um, Creative expression, you know, through comedy or poetry or singing songs, like... That's all we really care about. There's nothing better for the soul and better for the world, you know? Yeah, but have you heard of capitalism? (laughs) I mean... I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Have you heard of the petrochemical industry? I'm going quali- to qualify that. You could, uh, okay. Have you, you could build? Have you heard of autocratic build homes for the poor or something that? But but and especially something that both benefits you and does a good thing for the world. Oh, you mean like legislating morality? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's just nothing nothing better. So yeah, just so excited for you. I think. That happens to me with with playing music and playing the guitar. You know, you're out, you have a drink somewhere, you're hanging out with your friends. Yes, just like this. Maybe this guy, music's a little too loud in the bar where you're hanging out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you see like some kid pick up an electric guitar and, you know, just play the shit out of it or something. You know? And then you're like, I can't wait to get home and play my electric guitar. You know, it's a wonderful feeling. Into the metal verse. Yep. Um, thanks for entertaining me on all that. I, you know, I, I said to my shrink, I, I don't want to have these big feelings anymore. I, like, really, part of my therapy has been about me trying to like manage my emotions. Mm-hmm. And. Um, <laughs> For once, that's not me opening a beer. I, I gotta edit out. Every Have you time seen the Bush ads on TV? No, are there some new ones? They're they're really good. Oh. They're really funny. And the guy like they do the thing. Like the, the guy opens it up, but he like, like the the sound that the can makes when you open it is Bush. It's like somebody's <laughs> somebody's voice, but that's the sound that makes it. It's really fun. It's funny because that is a terrible beer, but but it is a good ad campaign. Bush. Um, Head for the mountain. Do you have any idea what I was talking about? Uh, you're talking to your shrink about. Oh yeah. Um. I express desire for my goal to be to figure out how to not have all these big emotions about stuff. And um, he, much like you, suggested that squashing the big emotions is not really the way to go. <laughs> for one thing. Having big emotions is a part of my personality that people know me for and like me for. You bet. And and some of them are like love and and admiration of my friends. That's a big emotion I have. And, um, but then I get into these other areas where it's like desire and ambition, you know. And I like I don't. I want to be more even keeled. I just look at people. Who are more even keeled, and I mean, this is the grass is greener on the other side of the, the podcast. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because mm-hmm. uh, engineers 
Jason Edla look at us and go, they're so freeform, that's so cool. And I look at engineers and go, look at the way those guys use those protractors and those compasses. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they figure stuff out and they're, they, I, I mean, I, I love it. I hate, I love when somebody's just even keel, man, just like a little bit unflappable to a degree, I guess. But I can't, I'm flappable about everything. Like I drop a, a Grey Poupon jar out of the fridge and it falls and shatters and i have a big emotion about it you're you know? flapping <laughs> flapping in the wind flapping flapping in the in the mustard it reminds me of the toilet inner workings the, there's the flapper <laughs> this podcast, i want to get a good seal on that flapper this podcast reminds me of the of the toilet, <laughs> toilet inner workings um let's get that let's get the tempo back up let's get the tempo back up of this podcast Let's let's say hello to all our old friends, friends old and new. Hello, Dr. Hall. Hello, Nicholas. Hello, Manish. Hello, Jameson. Hello, new listener, Megan Skelton. Any of them uh, UT Theater Camp kids listening? Megan, yeah. Megan. Maybe some other ones, too. Maybe Paul's listening. I don't know. You know, I got a midnight text from Captain Q the other night. Oh, nice. You know? Uh, he said, "Are you buying an airstream?" And I was—I had been kvetching about uh, my neighbors moving a couple into the backyard in an RV, uh-huh. and I had referred to—I realized I, when I listened back to the episode, I realized I referred to it as an RV the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then in the la- in the last gasp of that conversation, I listed the things I was pissed about, and I called it an airstream. And I guess so. It's a Cap- trailer. Captain Q is a fan of. Well, he lives on a boat. They, he, he and his wife literally live on a boat in the Bay Area, and then they recently bought a land yacht and are, and are voyaging the western seas, the western, de- the western high desert seas. I resurrected a daydream of mine, speaking of artistic careers. Mm, let's talk about it. I was. That's what this podcast is about. My friend, Michael, well, Michael Driscoll, Jameson's little brother. Oh, yeah. Was, you know. The little brother of one of our producers. He and I lived together and owned a house together in Houston. I. And it was very close. I was gripped by the fear in that house a couple of times. Oh, yeah. We had some fun, huh? Yeah. Uh, That was a great house. Yeah, it was a great place. Uh, And, man, we had some good times there. Uh, He was getting, uh, Michael was engaged to be married. And he was hosting an engagement party. Does Sarah know? At, this was before before Sarah. Oh, I see. It was an engagement that did not work out. Oh, I see. I was making a joke. But a terrible joke, I realized. He that. asked me to come. They were having a party. It was at her, her house. And it was a little engagement party. And he asked me to bring my guitar and play a little show. You know, and like, at this time, you know, I'm, just, I'm very much... Very much an amateur. You know, I had my little binder full of lyrics and chords, you know, that I printed out uh, in my guitar. And pretty much only, you know, Johnny Cash, Hank Thompson, old, you know, maybe some, uh, whatever, old country singers, Uh Hank Williams. And, but it ended up being perfect. Like, her... A bunch of her family were kind of like these older, kind of awkward, 
Southwest Houston, very, very conservative. And like her, you know, Michael's very rockabilly, covered in tattoos, black leather, rides a motorcycle. And the, the gal he was marrying is the same way. And all their friends were kind of these like rockabilly punkers. And they were, they kind of all ended up like gathered in the kitchen around where the, where the bar and the keg was in the, the beer keg was in the garage. And I ended up hanging out with all of these old geezer, uh, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, they weren't, they weren't, you know, obnoxiously Republican or anything. This was kind of before the culture wars, you know, really erupted anyway. Um, so like in the 1850s, but they were, uh, and I ended up just sitting there playing and, and they were, they really were not having a good time. And so, and I sat down and I started playing Johnny Cash songs and Hank Williams songs. And these old people just like flocked to me and were like, yes. And they started to have such a good time. Like, and I just given them just one little thing to hang on to in this place where they felt very out of place. And it was just the best feeling. And it occurred to me, like, there are all of these old folks' homes all around the world, all around, you know, or around the nation, and, you know, increasingly so as the boomers start to, you know, retire and stuff and get a little older. And nobody's entertaining these, you know, these people are basically forgotten about. I was like, there must be a way to get, like, obviously you wouldn't be charging top dollar, but you could get paid a small amount of money for these gigs. And you could even do like a little comedy, like do some like Burns and Allen sort of thing. Dude. Just get like a nice like Sprinter van or something and just drive all around. You'd see the world, you know. Is this the fucking time. opposite of the kids' folk circuit? <laughs> yeah. Dream? Yeah, maybe. yeah, I guess so. Yeah. The old folks? <laughs> the old folk, folks circuit. Folk, yeah. The old folks circuit? Folk? Yeah. The old folk folk? <laughs> Old folk folk? Just like telling clean the jokes. old folk folk traveling road show. <laughs> yeah. The old folk folk traveling road show. Yeah. I know Alex would be in on this. Shit, we just invented a new thing. Right, listen. <laughs> Jay Cryer's dad, Steve Cryer, bless the man, told us years ago, y'all need to figure out something to sell to this aging population. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The boomers are they're gonna be old and they still got money. You gotta sell something <laughs> to them. But then here we are again. Fucking got we got a golden opportunity for a business idea, and all I can think about is a, is a friggin' concert, a <laughs> comedy show. God, we are the worst business people. Hey, <laughs> Wait, do what you know, do what you love. If anybody asks us. If anybody asks you what your podcast is about, I want you to tell them it's about crappy business ideas. <laughs> it's about shitty business plans. Well, we actually got some other things on the old show shot. We need to get Dr. Hall on to talk about that archaeological find in Oaxaca. Did uh, we talk about that? Uh, uh, I think you actually put this on the show sheet. Nicholas got at us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So this wasn't... I, I feel like this ended up being not as excited... Not as exciting as I thought it was going to be. Isn't like, like, like everything we put on the show? Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, no? <laughs> no, a lot of it's very uh, okay. exciting. But not this. Well, anyway, let's talk about it. I want to talk about it. Non-human biologics. 
But this is an episode. I mean, this is an article about UAPs. And here's the headline. This is a news cruise. U.S. recovered non-human biologics from UFO crash sites, former Intel official says. That's like a, dated like a week ago. There's, ago. But there's tons of, there's biologics all over the earth that are non-human. Oh, okay. That doesn't necessarily see, make uh, them okay. extraterrestrial, I think. I don't everybody, know. That's... Everybody thinks it's like a, <laughs> alien uh, tish, body yeah. tissue. or There's nothing about that that implies that it's... Uh, it's... Fluids. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's thinking like some alien scat or semen. <laughs> and then you're going to get alien green mono. Green blood. I may already have alien. Maybe that's what you got the alien. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. So uh, okay, okay. Well, I didn't mean to. Is is there anything else on the show sheet that you don't want to talk about? <laughs> I mean, did any of the did any details <laughs> leap out at you from this? Like it was one of those I mean, was... I think that this is noteworthy in that we do have these government agencies finally coming out and saying, okay, all this shit is happening and. It finally all this is going into the record stuff that people have been talking about for 20, 30, 40, however many years since mm-hmm. Roswell, right? And um, I'm I'm here for it. Like any alien talk, I'm all about it because this one time I went to see Broken Arrow. Uh, I, is that the was that the John Woo John movie? Travolta movie? Yeah, yeah Broken Arrow. And earlier in the day, I had taken a hit of acid that had a um, an alien face on it. And <laughs> before the what a horrible it was a little time, a little tab, and it had an alien face on it. And I was already freaked out about aliens. This is the mid nineties, and well, whenever Broken Arrow came out, you could fucking look it up. And before the film, there was a trailer for. Independence Day, and I was unable to enjoy Broken Arrow. Is that the name of the movie? Uh, because I was freaked out about an alien invasion. <laughs> and ever since then, I just wanted to hear anything about aliens. The preview for Independence Day through into Tailspin. Oh man, I was beside myself trying to enjoy this Christian Slater. John Travolta, John Woo vehicle. <laughs> Which is probably pretty intense. First thing, don't go to the movies on LSD. <laughs> That's stupid. Second thing, don't admit to LSD use on your podcast. <laughs> don't do that. Anyway, what's done is done. Uh, and it's 30 years ago, folks. And if you're concerned about aliens, God, 30 years ago, oh, it'll fit. <laughs> uh, and if you're concerned about aliens, um, man, Independence Day was such a letdown after that, too. Like, you know, oh, really? Man, I remember loving that movie. I mean, it out. was good, but it, it didn't grip me the way the fear did wow. in that theater. <laughs> I can see how that would be hard to live up to, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I just wish that hit of acid had been an imprint of a Care Bear or something else, man. <laughs> you know? You'd be worried about the Care Bear invasion for sure. I'm still worried about that. Look, I don't, I don't mean to deep six this thing about UAPs. I, I need to read the article and um, you make a good point. Okay, here's me bringing. Oh, look, is this? 
let me get let me get this. You actually added another thing to the show sheet. And, um, uh, if it's the AI thing, let's put that off. We don't have put that off. Okay, we don't have time to talk about that. All that crap. Okay. I heard that in the San Francisco Bay Area, they're starting to allow. Uh, self-driving ride shares. I saw one in downtown Austin the other night. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Welcome to the future, my friend. Yeah, I'm going to be out of a second job. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think there's still a lot of issues. I don't think I don't think your job's... I don't think that side hustle's going away anytime soon. I think it's going to be faster than... This ever. side hustle's going to go away before that <laughs> side hustle. Trust me. Um... Do you have a poem for us? We asked ChatGPT to create a, an episode of One Magical Hour. You know, I haven't really, I haven't messed with it at all. Have you? A little bit, yeah. Okay. Um, it's it's pretty amazing what it can do. Can, uh, can, like, how, if you could prompt it to do that, but then would would you feed it all the podcasts first? Or, uh, yeah. Or uh, it just has access I mean, to them? Yeah, it's, if it's on the internet, it can. Although R- I don't Rogan know. Did, Joe Rogan did that. They created a Rogan podcast. They did? Yeah. yeah. It was him and Trump. Uh, I, I, haven't, I, I haven't listened to it. I started to listen to it, and I was like, I don't have time for this. I do have a poem. Okay. That's good, but I, I want to read a little slice of literature right before we get okay. to the poem here. Uh, I feel like we haven't talked about Kurt Vonnegut enough on this podcast. Love him. I do too. And I, something drew this to my attention on Twitter, I think, this week. Uh, This quote from Kurt Vonnegut. And I want to read it now, like a poem. And uh, the, in, in um, parentheses, it says, when, when Vonnegut tells his wife he's going out to buy an envelope, here's the quote, quote. Oh, she says, well, you're not a poor man. You know, why don't you go online and buy a hundred envelopes and put them in the closet? And so I pretend not to hear her. And I go out to get an envelope because I'm going out to have a hell of a good time in the process of buying one envelope. (laughs) I meet a lot of people and I see some great looking babes and a fire engine goes by and I give them the thumbs up (laughs) And I ask a woman what kind of dog that is, and and I don't know. The moral of the story is, is <laughs> we're, we're here on Earth to fart around. And of course, the computers will do us out of that. And what the computer people don't realize, or they don't care, is we're dancing animals. You know, we love to move around, and we're not supposed to dance at all anymore. Which, that's actually a segue into the next episode where I have this crisis of conscience about not having become a DJ and how I want to become a DJ. <laughs> yeah. Is that Can we just set that up for the next episode? <laughs> just pre-promoting this time, I've joined a, a illegal rave conservation society <laughs> circa 1994. And uh, next time we're going to talk about how I didn't go to Burning Man that time. And I wish I had pursued my dream of being a DJ. I'm deputy. Deep night dub sounds from the deputy one time. Would you say that? That's my that's my DJ name, the deputy. Would you, would you say that this podcast is more like. 
learning man. Because <laughs> <laughs> we teach each other stuff. Don't touch me. I have mono. <laughs> I did reach out. I pointed at you. But um, that's the be- That's the funniest thing you've said on the whole podcast. I told you this episode was going to be the best. <laughs> you did. You said so. Uh, I want to hello to Ellen Ferguson. I want to say hello to all of our listeners. Hello, Lindsay. Hello, Jason. Hello, uh, hello, Ben Bays. Ben Bays does not listen to this podcast. Uh, well, <laughs> I, he's I'm, wandering. He's wandering around I, your somewhere. I, anyway. I, he's back. Oh, good. Um, I but I did. T- I was texting him when he was in Europe. He was having a grand time. He was a little lonely though. There was a day that we started texting, and he was texting me like somebody who hadn't talked to anybody in a long time. <laughs> and uh, I love that guy, but he he doesn't listen to the podcast. I am. I am almost 100% sure he did not listen to the episode with him on it, <laughs> either of them. I love the guy, but he doesn't care about the We need a report from, from Europe. I'll, I will talk to him soon, and we've we got to set up the D&D episode for sure. Yeah. Um, I'll let you go. I know you got to go. So let, what, I mean, take, take us out. Got to get out back on the streets and go drive some more. So. Boy, that Vonnegut quote was really apropos. Wasn't it was it? really good. Shit. Yeah, shit, I didn't mean for that to be. And it's funny, yeah, that you brought up like AI taking jobs. And yeah. Stuff. Okay. <laughs> Question and answer. Question and answer by Kurt uh, by by Kurt Vonnegut. Did you say Kurt Vonnegut? I did, but I was wrong. <laughs> Question and answer by Charles Bukowski. Oh, Bukowski. He sat naked and drunk in a room of summer night, running the blade of the knife under his fingernails, smiling, thinking of all the letters he had received, telling him that the way he lived and wrote about that it had kept them going when all seemed truly hopeless. Putting the blade back on the table, he flicked it with a finger and it whirled in a flashing circle under the light. Who the hell is going to save me? He thought as the knife stopped spinning, the answer came, you're going to have to save yourself. Still smiling, A, he lit a cigarette, B, he poured another drink, C, gave the blade another spin. You're going to have to save yourself. You're going to have to make yourself laugh. You're going to have to write those poems. You're going to have to sing those songs. Seems daunting. Gonna have to get at us. Gonna have to review us on iTunes. Gonna have to tell your friends about One Magical Hour, a Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular. Where the one thing we know is the poor are the choices. The sweeter the wine. <laughs>